What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. You listen to Kingdom Authority. Listen to Kingdom Authority with your host, Dancia J. Morris, on Kingdom Empower Incorporated. We're here to educate, motivate, and elevate your mind, body, and spirit. If you have questions or comments, or just want to talk to your host, you can call in at 646-668-2413, or listen in online at landministries.com. And now, here's your host. Dancia J. Morris. All right, all right. Thank you so much for joining on tonight, Kingdom Authority. I am your host, Reverend Dancia Jones Morris. So excited for you all to be with us on tonight. What a blessing it is. I tell you, this is the day that the Lord has made. And we all should rejoice and be glad in it. How beautiful it is to be here on this evening as we talk about taking authority in your territory and what a blessing it is to be able to operate in our spiritual gifts that the Lord has graced us with. His grace and mercy allowed us to have these gifts, to take authority, take dominion in the earth as he ordained us to do in Genesis 1. What a great God we serve. Listen, I am excited about our guests on tonight, so I want to pray and I want to get right into this and bring our guests on. Um, it's, it's a blessing to have this woman of God on, and she's a true servant and navigating through her life, and I'm excited about it. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we say thank you. We thank you, O oh God, for being our God. We thank you, O God, for being the bread of life. We thank you for being the Christ, the creator, the El Shaddai that you are, the God that is more than enough. We can depend on you, Lord. You love us. You care for us. You you are our healer. You are our deliverer. You are savior. You are our rock, our refuge, and our strength. We can run to you and be safe. Thank you, O God for being our Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Sikhanu, God. Thank you for being Jehovah Rofa, the God that heals. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being the deliverer, our Father. Thank you for being the Son of God, the Son of Mary, the Son of Man. Thank you, O oh God, for coming down to this earth and being Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, O oh God. Thank you, Father. 
for being our protector, our rock, our leaning tower, God, we can, our strong tower that we can lean on. Thank you, O God, for being Yahweh. Oh, my Lord. Thank you, O God, that we can run to you. You're our comforter. Yes, Lord, you hold us in the midnight hour. You are our strength, strength like none other. And, God, we can reach to you, and you you hear us, and we can touch you, and you feel us. So, God, thank you for inclining your ear unto us. Father, I cannot say thank you enough for who you are and for what you have done. Father, I give you praise on this evening because you have given us grace and mercy. You are grace and mercy, and thank you for being love. Woo, hallelujah. Thank you for being loved. When we feel like we're not lovable and not loved, you are loved. And so help us to hold on to that. Help us, oh God, as we hold on to the horns of the altar and kneel before you and go before you and grace your presence to say, God, we love you. We appreciate you. We thank you. You are definitely our God, and you are the God of all. You are sovereign God. Hey, you're the sovereign God. You control everything. And, Father, because of you, we live and move and have our being. It's because of you that, Lord, you wrap us in your love. You wrap us in your arms. You're the one that keeps us and protects us and shelters us from the storm. Thank you for being our bread. Thank you for being the bread of life. Thank you for being Elohim. Hallelujah. Thank you, oh God, for being the Father, mm-hmm. Thank you, O God, for being the Holy One of Israel. Thank you, Lord, for being salvation. Hallelujah. Bless you and praise you and grace. And I say thank you, O God, for your grace and your mercy upon our life. You are the resurrection. Hallelujah. Ah, yes, you are. And you have all control, Lord. And so on this night, God, we come into your presence, Lord. There's some people, Lord, that need to hear, that need to feel, that need to know who you are. And I pray in the name of Jesus that they be able to incline their ears unto your voice, that they hear your voice and none other, God. And that, God, we will, um, as your sheep, Lord, be obedient to you and your voice and your word. In the name of Jesus, I pray, God. For this woman of God that's coming on, Father, to share a portion of her story and to encourage others, Father, that you, God, will speak through her. Allow her to decrease, God. You rise up in her and so that she can share exactly what you say to share, Father. And I pray, Lord, that this will be the platform to take her to the platforms that you're taking her to, a higher height. And, Father, I believe you and what you are doing. I trust you. Depend on you. We trust you and depend on you. Let ears, God, let hearts, oh, God, hear this message. And, Father, someone will be encouraged in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Oh, glory to God. I am, I am moved to say to you all that the healer is definitely here and waiting for you. The healer is definitely here and waiting for your cry. Listen, even before you cry, he's here, and he wants to heal you. And what that healing looks like, I cannot say, but I can tell you, if you trust God and believe God for what he says and what he says, your healing is here. Mm, Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. So I want to bring on, um, I want to make sure I say this first. This is um, a short interview with this woman of God, and the Lord um, the Lord instructed me to bring her on, and normally I have things planned out way ahead of schedule, three to four months ahead of schedule, schedule and this particular one was a last-minute thing according to trusting what God says. And she's here, and the Lord had already spoken to her before I even came. So I'm excited to have this great woman of God on. Some of you may know her, but I want to introduce you or to present to others um, on tonight. And I believe that you're going to hear something that is going to be life-altering. And I say, instead of changing, I say altering. So it will shift you, and not just shift you, but it will thrust you into believing God. I believe that you will believe God in a supernatural way to walk out your journey. So um, please join me um, on tonight with Miss Trishana Hunter. Am I saying that right? I don't know why I'm getting that. I I'm, I'm really want to still pray. Am I saying that right right now? Christina, but you did very well, and thank you so much for that incredible introduction. <laughs> Wonderful. I'm so glad um, that you are on tonight. And I, I suddenly feel a move of God in a whole different direction with you, and so I just pray that you can navigate this with me um, uh, on this evening as we as we kind of dissect some things and get you to share. I really want your testimony to be, and I don't think this is the full testimony time, but I I want people to hear um, a little bit first about you and then a little bit about your journey, and then we want to talk about some things of how you've been taking authority. So if you can just, first of all, greet the audience there, and they are out there. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I am definitely blessed and honored to have this time with all of you. My name is Trishina Barzar Hunter. I am a native from Arizona. I was born and raised there. I now live in Phoenix. I've been here just about 12 years. I have two beautiful daughters and um, overall I've lived a very good life. Um, I'm now uh, full-time long-term disabled due to some health concerns, which I believe is why she had me here on this call today. But that's the simple simple side of who I am. Um, I have a strong educational background. I have walked and experienced things that most people can't imagine. But I've done so, and I've survived so many different things, and I get to live a life of great gratitude for the little things that we experience each and every day. And I'm just really grateful for the opportunity to be used today and whatever it is God has planned for me to give to you. Awesome. So I want to just jump right in. Um, So many don't know the journey. And so because because it's broadcast um, in several different um, countries and anyone can tap into this, there are several people that may not even know your journey that will listen to this broadcast. And so I want to go back. I want to go to um, the beginning of this year, and let's talk about some things that you've journeyed through, and then we'll kind of travel back in time 
on some things to give people a little bit um, of what what you have navigated through. So can you talk about the most recent events? Absolutely. Um, so most recently, um, and I believe it would have been February the 27th of this year, I experienced um, a massive brain surgery. Um, in that particular case, I couldn't find any matching places. In that particular case, I was called. I went into the hospital because my head, the top, my my frontal lobe was leaking pus out of the top of my head, and I knew the danger of it from previous surgeries, which I'm sure we'll go into um, in as much time as we may have. But I was facing a condition that had a 60 to 70 percent mortality rate facing uh, an infection in the ventricular cavity of my brain. And when I sat down with my surgeon, he said, you know, do you know how rare it is to have an ailment or a disease or a surgery that has a mortality rate of 60 to 70%? And, of course, Mm. I had no idea. And Mm. at that point, I was done. Um, This was the fifth surgery, the fifth brain surgery in five years. I believe it was the tenth surgery overall overall in that time. And to be perfectly honest, I was ready to let go. I was not going. I was not going because the very thing that caused this actual infection was a ventricular catheter inserted in my brain when I was six or seven years old. My God. That the doctors had tried on three separate occasions to remove, but because it is so cemented in scar tissue and calcification, the report that they gave me was that if they did remove it, if they forced it out, they would rip out brain tissue. They would potentially or most likely kill me, or I would no longer bathe myself and possibly not know who my children were or be able to walk or to live or to feed myself. So when he told me that it was time to force this very thing out, that he had tried to take out, with all of his might in October of 2017 that he was going to have to get it out, I told him no. Mm. Um, I didn't talk it over with my youngest daughter, but I did talk it over with my oldest because we knew the risk and we knew that, you know, the failure of this operation, I would, I could come home and not recognize her, not know who she is. And mm. so I told him no. And he pretty well begged me to give him the opportunity to fix it. And I said, okay. And I held my doctor's hand as I was getting ready to go into surgery and with tears in my eyes. And I said, you know, Doc, look, you did a great job. Because, you know, he operated on my brain this very place when I had septic shock just about a year and a half, just not quite two years prior to that. And he couldn't get it out. And it, it haunted him for two years because he couldn't get it out. And I looked at him and I held his hands and I said, you know, you have to understand that you did not break this, so you've got to forgive yourself mm-hmm. already because you might not be able to get this out. It might have to stay there. And if it does, it's not your fault because you gave me two amazing years. I did. I had two amazing years and accomplished some great things that, by any standards, I shouldn't have been because I shouldn't have been able to walk. I shouldn't have been able to feed myself or know who any of you are on this call. But I, but I had those great two years with my daughters that I didn't expect. 
And so I, I did tell him, I told him, you know, you have got to be okay with knowing if you can't get this out or if my kids are going to get a vegetable back as a mother, right. if they're going to get a mother back that doesn't know them. If, she's never, if I'm never going to hike again, I said it just like that with tears in my eyes, you have to be okay with letting me go and forgiving yourself and knowing it's not your fault. And he made me the promise that he would let me go if he couldn't give me back at least the quality of life that I had going in. Hmm. And I came out of surgery, and I think I think the surgery was two and a half hours. He told me, I think the last, maybe two weeks ago, he told me it was two and a half hours, and I came out of surgery, and honestly, I don't even remember the post-op recovery because the next thing I know, they were asking me if I could walk across the room and sit on the different beds than the one I was on. And I said, okay. My goodness. And I walked across the room and sat on the bed <laughs> so they could wheel me down to my hospital room that entire night awake, and the next day it's, 5.30 in the afternoon, I was released from the hospital. So let me just make sure, from the time you, from the start of the surgery to the time you walked out the hospital, what time lapsed between those points? Well, let's see. I think we did the post-op when we checked into the, the, um, the surgical OR at about 11.30 in the morning on Tuesday. And I left the hospital about 5.47 on Wednesday. In the morning? And it, no, in the evening. And it may not be that much, but at the time, I had an incision that spans pretty much the entire left to right of my head, almost the entire. Um, 26 staples. I don't even know how many sutures and stitches were in my head, to be honest with you. Um, but, yeah, the 26 staples. Less than just over 24 hours after surgery, I was on my way home. I slept in my bed the next night. I heard you when you said it may not seem much. I I can tell you at this moment in time, any sensible person would know that is in and of itself a miracle when you're having brain surgery. I mean, just to leave for other things, people, you know, don't come out of the hospital that quickly. And we're talking about a two-and-a-half-hour surgery on your brain. <laughs> you know, I, I, that is a miracle in my eyes, and I'm sure for those who are listening, just in and of itself. I wonder what do you think when people – when you tell people that, and what are their responses? Um, I tend to get the wow response from a lot of people. Um, some people that are very close are very encouraging, you know, and mm-hmm. people think I'm their hero, I've been called, their warrior. Their, a friend of mine, he called me Logan from <laughs> the X-Men. Um, yeah. So I have a nickname, Logan. But you know, I don't, I don't see any of that. You know, I have some friends that I drive them crazy because I come home from the hospital, and the next day I'll be in the kitchen making salmon mm-hmm. or cooking. Like, you know, there there are great days that I have and things that I can do, but if I can do it, I'm going to do it. I looked at my doctor right. mm-hmm. the next day because the physical therapist came into my room at 11 o'clock in the morning the day after surgery, and she said, so do you fill up? 
for walking in the ward at all? And I said, yeah, we can walk. I've been hoping somebody would take me for a walk. I'm bored. And go walk. <laughs> and she said, I understand that you like to hike. Do you feel like you can try just a few stairs? You know, do you think you could climb three or four stairs? I'm pretty sure she kind of clarified what she meant. And I said, sure, we mm-hmm. can do some stairs. And I climbed the first flight. And I said, all right, that's all fine. I climbed the second flight. And before I noticed, I had climbed four stairs, four flights of stairs, and I couldn't go any further. I said, okay, well, I guess I'll come down now because this door is locked. And went back to my room. And then about 20 minutes later, the occupational therapist came in and said, yeah, you don't need me. We're good. <laughs> and the thing about hospitals is they're like, they're, they're always overcrowded for beds. So if you get out of brain surgery and you can climb up four flights of stairs, you you don't have to go home whether you want to or not. Right. <laughs> because there's somebody that needs your bed that needs my help to get to the bathroom. So that that's pretty much how that went. I get, you know, a lot of flack from some people that like, I cannot believe you just did that. You know, last, yeah, it was a week ago today, I ran a 5K with my two daughters. We ran the um, down here at Tempe Town Lake. My goodness. And I saw that that you posted on Facebook that you 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 actually did this 5K, and many people can't do that. And we're just, you know, nothing's wrong with us. We just can't do it, or don't do it, or whatever the case is. So, what are some things? Let's let's back up a little bit. Um, what are some things that you navigated through to this, you know, in your health? So, so the short of it, when I, this, the problem that we have now with my with my brain injury actually started when I was in kindergarten. I had what's called an AV malformation, and the simplest way to explain it is your veins are supposed to be a lazy river. They're supposed to just flow nice and easy. With an AVM, it is actually more like that rubber band ball in the office that's mm-hmm. all matted together. Mm-hmm. And I had an AVM when I was in kindergarten. In first grade, I spent the better part of the kindergarten and first grade in the hospital. And back then, they didn't operate on them. They just, it just ruptured and you died is how it happened. My goodness. Mm. And my daddy told me, um, I think he told me last year, maybe a year, two years ago, yeah, we had to sign a waiver that if they killed you, it wasn't our fault. Wow. And I said, I said well, gee, daddy, thanks. Appreciate you for telling me that. That's, that's awesome. You know, you only waited 35 years. Love you seven operations and those first two operations so when I say you know it was only two and a half hours it's because the first operation that I had on my brain I was a little girl I might have been six years old and it was nine hours the second operation that I had was 19 and a half hours and at that point my brain started hemorrhaging and the doctors had to close me up and they told her they told my they told my family you know when the swelling goes down, we're going to have to go back in because we didn't get all of that mass out of her brain. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to go back in. Mm-hmm. And they waited three days, and they did a CAT scan or an angiogram or whatever it is that they did back then. And they looked at my family, and they said, it's like a miracle because we saw it. It was there, and it's gone. My God. It's all gone. And there were some other complications that I had that led to me having seven different surgeries all to correct this ABM back when I was little. And then in 2014, I started having horrible headaches. 
and come to find out I had two new ABMs growing in the frontal lobe of my brain and one in the right side of my brain. Mm. So I had brain surgery again April 14th to 14th. I was in the hospital, I think, five days. And it was very expensive. It was very hard. And I came home and went about my life, and that was the one that made me permanent disabled. I haven't been able to work full-time since probably February of 2014 because of the problems and complications. And, Mm. you know, we thought everything was fine, everything was going good, and that was in April. And then my grandparents, who I I, I did recognize some of the people that were invited, got very sick in July. And my grandfather Mm -hmm. passed away in October. And then in November, I had gallbladder surgery. And then for a year, I kind of felt okay. Everything seemed all right. And then I had, they found a two-inch mass in my breast, which did turn out to be benign, but it did have to be removed. And that was in Mm -hmm. June of 2015. And everything, again, seemed like everything was fine. I didn't really have any neurological symptoms. And then all of a sudden, February or March 2016, I started having falls. And they found out that my shunt was not working properly. And for those of you that don't know, know, a shunt just drains excess fluid from your head to your stomach so that you don't have too much pressure on your head. Well, they went in to fix it. And a couple of days later, I started leaking cerebral spinal fluid from the back of my head. I I was so out of it. I I think I was in the hospital five days, six days. I got out of the hospital, went to my daughter's meet the teacher night the next day. And about six days later, I was back in the hospital. So I had emergency brain surgery back-to-back 10 days apart wow. in July of 2016. My God. And then, so in 2018, I kept getting abdominal infections, and nobody could explain to me why. Both my children, you know, they're going to be 16, the other one's going to be 9. But I kept getting these infections that would make me look like I was like seven, eight months pregnant. Mm. They couldn't figure out why. Couldn't figure out why. And oddly enough, I, I went down to Tucson for just a turnaround trip to see my family. And anybody that's driven from Tucson to here knows that you should get home in about an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. But this time they had a fatality on the highway. So it was a five and a half hour trip. And about three hours in, I just started getting this excruciating pain in my rib cage, and I didn't know why. And the next day I went to the emergency room and really urgent care. And the doctor didn't really know what was going on. She prescribed me with bronchitis and sent me home. Tuesday came around. I couldn't walk. I was holding a wall just to get by. And Wednesday I woke up and it was like my left breast had swallowed a softball. It It was that engorged. It was that large. It was that texture, and it was bright red, that entire side of my chest. Mm, my goodness. And I went to my doctor, and he said, you know, that, that cellulitis, and he, and he didn't know. So he prescribed me antibiotics, and, you know, the ER later told me it was, that he, it was him taking that quick action that saved my life. Mm-hmm. But 10 days later, I went to the pharmacy, and the pharmacist said to me, Did I didn't, just, didn't I just give you antibiotics? And I said, Yeah. She said, You look like crap. I think you oh really are. And, I, you know, I'm at the pharmacist pretty regularly. So she knows me on good days, bad days. She said, No, you look horrible. And I don't know what's wrong with you, but you need to go to the ER. 
So I went to the ER and I was trying to do a quick fix. Like, can you drain whatever this is, please? Because I got to do things. I, I got stuff to do. I don't got time for this. And he says, sweetheart, you have a 15-centimeter abscess in your abdomen. If I drain this while you're awake, I'll kill you. You'll die. I said, oh, okay. So I went to the ER, and they gave me IV antibiotics. They were supposed to just drain it. I was supposed to be able to go about my life. Six o'clock in the morning, they woke me up. And she says, uh, yeah, so we're going to do a CAT scan of your head. And I'm like, why are we doing a CAT scan of my head if I've got a problem in my abdomen? Well, you don't have a problem in your abdomen. Your shunt snapped in your abdomen. Oh I didn't even know it. I was in septic shock. They said if I had to come to the hospital 30 minutes to an hour later, I'd have been in a coma. I spent nine days in ICU. Ooh. So when we hear when we hear anything, go ahead, go right ahead. Septic shock is unlike it's unlike anything you could ever begin to fathom. It is the most horrific experience that you could ever go through. Not childbirth, it's horrible. Because your cells are dying, your organs are failing, everything is shutting down. The chaplain walked in, my body was shutting down, the color had left my skin. I was I was mm. bleeding. And I came home with an open wound in my abdomen for five weeks and an IV pick line for I think six or seven weeks. And I could not function. I, I, there are no words to describe how sick I was. And I just knew that everything was going to be over. I just, I just knew everything I wanted to do, all of it was done. And that was, so I got out of the hospital on that one, October, October 6, 2017. It was a, it was a So when we hear something like that, we're thinking that, you know, why, God? What do you think when you hear it, when you tell it? You know, um, for me, I don't even know if I ask why anymore. I stopped asking why a long time ago. Me and the Lord have some very candid conversations. And no, he doesn't give me answers. I'm not going to lie. But I ask some very candid and hard questions. Mm-hmm. I ask questions like, okay, so you promised me my health here, so I'm I'm waiting. So what what is this? You promised me this here. I'm waiting. You know, why am I going through this again? And there's a lot of silence. There's a lot of silence. Survive, right? And you're really happy. You know, your your family's happy, your kid you've got these two beautiful kids at home and you're happy because you're there and you're there for them, right? Right. And and you go to bed at night, you say, Okay, good. If you're gonna strip away everything I ever prayed for, everything I worked for, everything I wanted. Because I mean during the same time I lost both my grandparents, um, who raised me. I lost a relationship that meant a great deal to me. So after mm-hmm. all of this, I lost my health, and all I had was being dirt broke. So my kids are not enough. 
but that's all I had. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of nights that I just pray, you know what? We ain't got to adjust them all. We good. Like, we, we've accomplished some great things, more than we were expected to. Remember, we did this when we were six and seven years old. They didn't expect me to graduate high school or have children. I graduated high school. I had two beautiful children, got a bachelor's degree, and three master's degrees. My goodness. Back to 130 miles in four months. Wow. Ran a marathon. So there's still a lot of nights where I'm like, you know, if it's going to keep being like this, we don't have to wake up tomorrow. It's okay. But you wake up the next morning, and every day is new. When you have, like, the things that I've been through, and when I say every day is new, every single day is new. My mind does not fire on the, on the same cylinders today as it did yesterday, as Anthea can probably attest to because we talked yesterday. So the That's cylinders right. that I fire right. on today are not the same as yesterday or the day before that, and they'll be different tomorrow. Yesterday when I woke up, I had neurological deficits. One side of my face would not would not smile. It was purely flat. There's some days where I can't feel my left side, or I've got tremors in my right leg. There's other days I can hike seven miles. Some days I have it all together. Some days I know whether I'm coming or going. There's other times I'm standing in the middle of my living room, and I have no clue why I'm there. That is amazing, I'm telling you. Every day is new. That is amazing. There's, there's some so, yeah, go ahead. But I have had, you know, I've had some great, I mean great spiritual leaders. Because, you know, there are some spiritual people in your life that tell you, well, you know, this is because of their sin. Because of sin that you've had in your life. And they'll tell there's other people that tell you it's because you're not praying enough. Um, I have one person tell me it's because you're not praying in tongues. Wow. But okay. So the six year old little girl that's sin free, but she's sinful, okay. That works. But mm-hmm. you know, you identify the people that you got, right? And I actually wrote them down before before I did this call because I know exactly who they are. You know, I had, I've got some great ministers and pastors and saints and leaders, and I, and I mean all over the country, from South Carolina to Texas to here, Tucson, that literally in the midnight hour are up on Facebook chatting with me or talking to me or praying to me, praying with me. You know, they're up at three thirty, four o'clock in the morning calling me to pray with me and worship with me before I go into surgery. And somehow, like in all of these surgeries that I've gone through, like, I am, I have been so blessed to make other people happy as I'm getting ready to go under the knife. I don't, I don't understand how it happens, but I'll have these texts and they'll say to me, like, how are you in such good spirit? And I'm like, well, I mean, I could be mean to you, but that doesn't change my outcome any. I had one CNA, mm. one of those assistants. And I was, she was when I was in ICU, and it was a really lonely time because no matter how much people love you, they don't want to see you sick. They just, they just right. don't. 
And right. she was the only person to hug in nine days after asking my family and everybody left. And I was sitting there, you know, and I, she came in and I looked at her and I told her her whole life story. She shared me what's going on with her marriage and this, that, and the other. And I had a gift card to J.C. Penney's that somebody had given me for my birthday. And I carried it for eight months at this point and hadn't used it. And I said, you're the same person that does for everybody else, but no, but never does anything for herself. So if you've got money, you'll spend it on your husband or your in-laws or your kids or everybody else. And her best friend was my nurse. And she said, yes, that's her. And I gave it to her. I gave, I gave her the card. I said, okay, this is for you. This ain't for the kids. And I looked at her. It's the nurse, and I don't remember her name. I said, now you make sure she does something nice for herself. And do you know that same nurse? the same nurse's assistant that came into my room on her break. She spent all her breaks while I was in the hospital at the foot of my bed talking to me. She sent me a text message before I went into surgery this last time. She said, I know you're a confidential patient, but can I please see you? And I said, of course. And when I got to my room, she was waiting for me. Mm, mm, mm. Just to make sure that I was okay and to hug my neck. And so, I mean, you you can go about it in your kind of way. Like my grandmother, she loved Kenny Rogers. That was my grandmother's favorite thing. And um, when I was in the hospital for septic shock, I had to get a cat animal every day. And I went into the cat scan room, and for whatever reason, there was like three guys, and they were just having a good old time, right? And I walked in, and... They were singing. The, they, they were playing and singing the gambler. <laughs> and so I'm in the cat scan machine. The time I came in, they put me in the machine. And mind you, if this is happening, my grandmother's dying. Mm. My grandmother, my world, my everything. I mean, the only person on this earth that ever just loved me unconditionally was dying. Mm. And they put me in that big old donut. And when he put me in, and he knew it was the last one before I went to have brain surgery again, he played Ladies by Kenny Rogers. My grandmother's favorite song. My goodness. But it was like, you know, it was like a celebration. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just what we did. Like, my my grandmother tells the story best when she, when she was with us. But, um, you know, my dad was a Presbyterian. Or his, his father was Episcopalian preacher. I always, I always mispronounce it. Um, Presbyterian. Mm-hmm. And when I was a little girl and I had surgery, somebody gave him anointing oil. My mother didn't know much about it. We were sort of after. Um, and my mother just opened the bottle and sort of rubbed it all over my body very fastly, very quickly. And my was the one that raised me. Um, took the bottle from my mother. He said, Rhonda, you don't know what you're doing. And he anointed my body. And my grandmother said, I have never felt the spirit move like that in my life. 
goodness. He said, but when he anointed your body, you knew the spirit was moving and that you were going to be okay. That's interesting. At what age was that? Uh, that was at the surgery, I think, at age six. Age six. And so what is the likelihood of someone living as long as you have lived with what you experienced at six? Um, <clears throat> my understanding, and I apologize if I get the numbers wrong, Mm-hmm. But it's like one over a hundred thousand. Wow. What do right now? Um, and I kind of left out that there's actually still an infection in my chest mm-hmm. that they have not been able to get rid of since I had the infection in October of 2017. But the bacteria that got infected in my brain, as well as, and it's the same bacteria in my chest, it is so rare to even get this bacteria. And it's not like a communicable disease or anything like that, but it's just a rare bacteria that's very antibiotic resistant that makes you very sick. Right. And it's pretty much impossible to get, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, like, you have to almost have a login to a medical journal to find any information on it. The complications I just had, but you cannot find anything on it. Because it just doesn't, when it does happen, yeah, yeah. the morbidity the of it is insane, but it just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. I mean, and I could very easily curl in a ball and do this whiny thing, but for what? Right. I'd rather the bay around be crazy because I can't stay still for nothing. <laughs> and you, you, you. People don't know this, but you're still hiking. You just did a hike this morning. Yeah, we, I did. I did a four, almost four and a half miles this morning. And you just had surgery in February. Is that correct? Uh, yes. So what? There's, there's a lot of things you say. You have a couple of sayings that I think are critically important for people that are operating in authority um, in the kingdom of God. And what are those two things? You you say it a lot. Uh, The two things I say all the time, and I tell that to everybody that I meet, you know, if you can climb the mountain, you can move it. Mm -hmm. Like when when I'm hiking or walking, there's no single thing that, that I can care about or worry about. Because by anybody's standards, by any natural standards, I should have had a toe tag. Mm-hmm. I'm 758 feet up on a mountain. If I can do that after after everything I've been through, what what mountain can I not move? Right. You know, and the other thing that I always say is, you know what I mean, and anybody, anybody that follows me on Facebook, I say it every day, and I say it all the time. It's just putting one foot in front of the other. Because no matter what you're doing, right, and you don't have to be fast about it. But if right. you put one foot in front of the other, you're making progress, right? 
That's right. I mean, you got to be careful to make sure your direction's going right. You might have to re-navigate, make some corrections, make a turn. But if mm-hmm. you can take one step and then you take another, a lot of times when I hike, they're really hard. I mean, just excruciating, right? I literally count my steps. Mm. So I remind myself, just take one more. Yeah. Just take one more step. I've been to a place where, I mean, this is when I was younger, but I had to learn how to feed myself again. I had to learn how to read again, how to walk again, how to talk again. When I had the surgery in 2014, I had to learn how to write again. And I still have some deficits now. But if I can just put one foot in front of the other, I can keep moving. I might blow. I might have to sit down. That's all it is. You just got to pick them up and put them down. Right. That's good. That's good. And so what do you what do you say to people? So this may seem a lot real practical to a lot of people, but there is a, a, a kingdom message in this. What, would, what do you say to people that say they can't make it through something similar? It may not be the exact same thing, but something similar to what you're going through. Typically, I ask them why. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I see that with almost anybody. I ask them why. Because, you know, people can have any excuse, right? Right. You can, you can, pick, you can pick any excuse. And typically, I don't have to say much to them, but I can share my testimony. Right. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes when I'm hiking, I'll find people that simply can't go on. They're struggling. And, I mean, it, it's hard. I'm not saying it's easy by any stretch of the imagination, right? But I'll sit down. I'll take a break with them, and I'll share my testimony and tell my story. And I haven't met one yet, but if you, can, if you, if you have brain surgery... Right. <laughs> then I can then I can do this. Right. Now, mind you, I don't tell that to people unless you're really close to me because right. I can really give you a hard time. I called a friend of mine this mm-hmm. morning who was supposed to go hiking with me, and I said, I have brain surgery. That's just your excuse. So come on, let's go. But, <laughs> you know, when you tell that to somebody, it does. it gives a sense of hope. I met a woman hiking Squaw Peak, which is one of the hardest mountains out here to hike. Might have been, might have been the beginning of February. This woman and her husband were celebrating their 60th wedding anniversary there from here from Illinois. And I shared a little bit of my testimony. She shared hers. It was her, they, their names were Dawn and Ann. And Squaw Peak is not a game. That is a hard hike. It's brutal. But Miss Ann had just beaten breast cancer and was hiking Squaw Peak with me. Wow. And then as we get down the mountain, she's sharing with me that she's training for a half marathon when she gets back to Illinois. But that mm. wasn't She's fighting another mm. kind of cancer right now as she's training for a marathon. Mm. Wait, you're training for a half marathon and you're fighting cancer. I'm sorry, what? I have another really good friend, and I won't say her name. She might be listening, but if she is, she knows who she is. But she's the only person I feel really understands my pain because she had two boys, and 
she was pregnant with her first daughter when she found out she had breast cancer. And she went through chemo. Mm-hmm. Carrying her her daughter. And she lost both her breasts. My goodness. And she beat that. And you know she hikes with me? I believe it. But, it, you know, like life can throw you so many things. It can. So mm-hmm. many things. And it's not it's not because you messed up. It's not because you didn't pray the way you should. It's not because you skipped church. It's not because you didn't pray in tongues. It's not because of your sin. I don't know what anybody on this call believes, but if the Bible says that he's a forgiving God, then he's not punished you, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And if he's and if he's omnipresent, then he's there in all of it. You just got to get. And that is the truth. Yeah, that is the truth. So, what like what keeps you motivated? What as far as um, scripturally, how do you keep yourself, you know, going? Because you got you you. There has to be something that that drives that. You know, Miss Morris, I'm going to be very honest with you. I ask myself that question often. And I ask myself mm-hmm. and I say, you know, is it courage? Is it perseverance? And then some days I go, I'm not sure it's not just complete psychosis because you don't know no better. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, Mind you, my hiking partner didn't show up today, and my daughter didn't hike with me. And had either of them come, I probably would have hiked two and a half miles today and come home. And I talked to my daughter, and I said, yeah, I went all the way up here, and I came down this way, and it ended up here about four and a half miles. She said, Mommy, you are crazy. I said, well, nobody was there to tell me I was crazy, so I'm, hey. <laughs> nobody was there to tell me otherwise, so I kept it moving. Right. One foot in front of the right. other. I'm tired, one foot in front of the other. I'll make it back to the car, and we keep it moving. But, you know, I was, like, I was really sick um, after Cessus, you know, as, as, as I mentioned. But then in March, so, so septic shock happened October 2017. In March of 2018, I took my daughters to Atlanta for the first time. Scared mm-hmm. out of my mind because I was so sick. I was still having falls. I didn't know where I was coming or going half the time. I was always yeah. having cluster headaches, which I still have almost every other day. But while I was in Atlanta, somehow, when I looked at my phone when I got home, I walked at minimum three and a half miles every single day. Oh, my. So I said, I sat down, I looked at myself, and I said, well, if you can walk three and a half miles in Atlanta every single day, why is it you can't do it at home? And I said, okay. So then in August, I started hiking here. It was my first hike back on the trail in two and a half years. And I ended up doing 140 miles in four months. My goodness. But it was, I, I think, you know, it's just to prove that I'm not dead. Right. Mm-hmm. Because some days I feel dead. Mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And that's real because, yeah, and that's real. And I appreciate you sharing that because, you know, we can 
masters like it's, you know, I think you do both things. You talk about um, having a great day, raising queens, your daughters, and you talk about the positive, putting one foot in front of the other. And then you also talk about, you know, today is not so great. So And so people understand the transparency of this journey is so um, necessary for others to understand what you're really experiencing. And you posted something about suffering. Talk about, can you talk about that just for a moment? Yes. Um, so it was just a few days ago. Um, I, I think it was the beginning of this week. And I said, you know, I have experienced pain. And I, I said, but I finally understand the difference between pain and suffering. Because pain is treatable. Mm-hmm. They have a thousand things out there to treat your pain. And I don't mean like the, you know, the drugs or whatever, alcohol or anything like that. You know, but they've got right. pain killers that will treat your pain, right? If pain pulls are not your cup of tea, they've got EBD or marijuana or right. someone mm-hmm. in a summit whole food you can rub on it, right? Right. It treats your pain. There is no treatment for suffering. Right. And I had an allergic reaction to an antibiotic that was the only antibiotic that the bacteria in my chest was responding to. My goodness. And my entire body swole up, turned red, broke out in hives. I mean, hurt and burned, itched between my toes. I would have taken brain surgery over that any day. Any mm. put me back under, cut me back open. I'm good. Mm. I mean, it was true suffering. Mm. I was trying to when you when you posted that I was. I was trying to relay that to, you know, have I ever gone through something like that? Um, And I could only go to Job, you know, and and his experience over time. So when I relate, when I think of pain versus suffering, I I think of – not only physical, but a mental state that goes along with that. Like you said, pain, you could you could probably get something very quickly to resolve that. But when you suffer and 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 and, and I'm talking about, you know, undergoing intense continuous distress you know, that is something different exactly. than just undergoing a a quick experience, you know. It, it requires us to endure. Pain requires some type of endurance, but this, suffering requ- requires us to endure. 
and I'm reminded of something that you had sent me. Um, I think it's Second Timothy, and about fear, about fear and enduring and going through this. Talk about you know what fears you face and how did you get through those fears through the Word of God. You know, and definitely you you were referring to the verse. You know, the, the verse. You know, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, another one that I sent to you, and it really, they, 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 I, I hold them so closely, right, is the scripture Luke 10 and 19 that says, Behold, I give you power to shut upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, right? I can't speak for the rest of y'all. That verse means a little different to me because I'm scared to death of serpents. Right. So if I if I got the power to shut upon a surface and just you know, and again I relate a lot of stuff to hiking because it gets my mind right. Mm-hmm. You know it's rattlesnake season. <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> but when you put it's that time, time again. You're like okay. Well, that's gonna make this happen, you know. Over the time, there's no way I was going out there because it's rattlesnake season. <laughs> I hear it's you. Funny, it's, it's funny that you bring up Job. I do not read the book of Job anymore. This is me saying it. I do not mm-hmm. read that book. Yeah. And I do not read that book because I cannot tell you how many saints, Christians, sanctified, whatever, have said through this. You need to read the book of Job. Mm-hmm. I've read the, I've read the book of Job. Okay. I know what happened to Job. I have talked to the master, and the master and I have an understanding. I never asked to be Job. <laughs> That's right. This was not a request that I made. I'm not trying to be Job. I do not need back ten times what I lost. I'm good. You're good. Okay? <laughs> Whatever you and the devil are talking about, y'all can leave me out of it. I'm good. And I mean, these are real-life conversations I have with the master. Go ahead, let Job be Job. She don't want to be Trishini. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I hear you. You ain't, got to give, you ain't got to give me none of that back. Just keep me out the scalpel. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, these are real conversations. You meet these things. Yeah. If you just read the book, oh, I know. It'll solve all my problems. I got it. Lord, look. I'm not Job. Job was awesome. I'm not trying to live up to those expectations. You set the bar way too high. <laughs> I want you to understand that is a very real, real saying right there and real moment. Because <laughs> Job finally said, though you slay me, yet will I trust you. Our conversations in my household are a little different. Yeah. I'll be enough for Lord to talk to me anyway. <laughs> Thank God for that. So so let me just say to those who are listening, this is a real moment because you hear most of the time, you hear a lot of people saying, you know, this is what I said to the Lord and, you know, whatever, Lord, you want me to go through. But this is real. People don't talk about, you know, um, the, the lows of it as well and the not so highs. I'm going to say it that way. I can't say definitely lows, but the not so highs of this. But at the same time, he has given each of us a measure of faith to go through 
what we need to go through. And I feel you, Trishina, actually um, exercise that faith through works and what I mean by that and not just your mouth. So there is, there is talking and then there's walking. And what you exercise, and I want to share this with you because I didn't get a chance to share it with you yesterday. What you exercise is walking it out through um, your hiking, through sharing some of it, through the positive uh, deliveries and message that you are, that you're sending out. And so although you may have a not-so-great day, you still walk it out. I want, you, I want everyone to understand there's a talk and then there's a walk. Your faith has been demonstrated by your hiking, which is walking. Because I'll tell you, many people will say that you shouldn't do it. Many people will say, oh, be careful, oh, take somebody, you know, all these things. And so you exercise faith through a whole different way some of us Christians, and I'm just going to be honest, don't do. And so I want to, I want to make sure that's out there because it has been, even though your conversations may sound different with the Lord, I, 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 I think it's real because the Lord understands us. And sometimes we mask what we're really feeling, <laughs> you know. Yeah, now, there's, there's, yeah, so I think there's principles to, you know, get through those things, kingdom principles to get through those things, but we can't mask the process, and this is your process. And so I, I admonish you, I'm going to be honest, um, and I'm, I admire you for that because it's real and it's the truth and it's honest, and it's pure. And so I appreciate you. I don't want you to tell everything today because there is a platform that is that has been set for you throughout the, the nation to share this and to help others. So if you had one thing to say to leave us with, um, I'm going to give you that, that room to do that now. Yes, ma'am. I will say this. Give yourself enough time, and and for me, it's hiking, you know. That's when I get that quiet time and when I actually can clearly hear what the Lord is telling me. That's That's when I get clear answers and things start falling into place and make sense. So whatever time you can get to quiet your mind enough down to cherish that. And truly, like, if you, a hiking may not be your thing. You, you may want to give up. You might want to stop. You don't want to go forward. Or you're not sure how you're going to make it. But whatever it is you're working on, dreaming towards building, trying to build your way out or fight your way through, mm-hmm. if you literally just keep picking them up and putting them down, just step at a time. It don't seem like anything, but one step is pop progress. And when you add them all together mm. before you know it, your finish line is done. Every single one of those little steps, every little ounce of effort, picking them up and putting them down, is taking you to whatever it is that you desire, that, you, that you're working towards, that you're fighting for, that you're fighting out of. And I mean, if I can 
share that I can fight from where I have come from, what I have been through, mm-hmm. and still climb a mountain. It, 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 it doesn't make you weak of faith if you don't feel that you can't do it. A lot of people just don't see enough of themselves or they're comfortable in that fetal position. But if you can just uncurl and take the first step and then take another, each step gets easier. Each step gets easier yeah. before you know what it's done. Yeah. I, I appreciate that and you. Um I am I'm moved, you know, I'm moved by your journey and I have a newfound appreciation in the last I wanna say six weeks of following you. I have a newfound appreciation of life and what to do and then also I it put me in check of making excuses. And I'm hoping that people will hear that, that with with God, anything is possible. He has put us on this earth to take dominion, and you are doing that through your journey. I, I can't say that I feel sorry for you. I, I actually kind of have a envy, a, a, a good envy for what you have accomplished and are doing. And at the same time, um, I want I want to make sure that I say this. There are some people. There are some some things that go along with being um, having these medical challenges um, financially. And so I would I want you all. I can't do it on the program. I want you all to go to my Facebook, and I want you to follow. Um, I'm gonna make sure I. Um, Put up some things regarding um, regarding um, the, your page, and and yes. follow her on this page, and and I pray that God move your heart to support her efforts, support what's going on. And this wasn't this wasn't supposed to be the the thing, but I felt moved to say this at this time by the Holy Spirit, and so I'm saying it. And I want you to watch out, you all, for what's about to happen in this woman of God's life. I'm telling you, I see God, and God has already spoken to her, um, some some major things happening um, with some speaking, and I, I can't wait for that. So I appreciate you, um, Trishina, for, for joining. I want you all to know this is Trishina Hunter, um, and what you're going to see over the next, few weeks is God moving in even more miraculous way in your life. And so I want you all to just join her on this journey. And I don't really have much else to say. I'm really, there's a, there's an altering that's happening even in me just listening to you and, um, and um, I believe what God is speaking to me on your behalf and for the people of God of what we need to, na- how we need to navigate in life. And I truly appreciate you for coming on. My true pleasure. And it's, I mean, it's the master. It is. I may not 
understand him. I, one thing I do also say all the time is the master's timing is perfect. Yeah. I mean, it is, it, definitely it is absolutely perfect. And mm-hmm. I am so grateful to have been able to share my story and if it blesses anybody on this call. To just even take that one step towards anything he's trying to do. Then as a vessel, I have done my job. It is not been Amen. I don't believe it's been for me. I believe it's been for me to do it for somebody else. That's right. That's right. And so that's what Kingdom Authority is about. It's not it's not about us. It's first about God and then it's about serving others. So and in that serving others, we get some great benefits from it if we just trust God. So I thank you again for joining. I'm going to wrap up for tonight. Um, We will be in touch very soon. For those of you who do follow me on my my actual public page, um, Dancy Jones Morris, please, please make sure you check out Christina Hunter's page and follow some things that she is doing and what's about to happen in her life. I look forward to next week as well. Um, We are coming on with um, a couple again that's going to bless us, and I cannot wait again for next Sunday. Listen, this is the season that we're coming up to where we celebrate, celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You do know that he got up, and because he got up, we can get up and we are or should be up. (laughs) And so when we do that, when we are up with him, we operate in kingdom authority. We take authority in our territory and we go out and do exactly what God has predestined us to do. You have the power. You have dominion in the earth. And if you operate in that dominion, then you too can say, that you have been resurrected with Jesus Christ. I am so excited about what God is doing. Listen, not only next week, but we have some couple other things that are coming up. I do not want you to miss April 28th. Listen to me. April 28th, I'm releasing a secret that you need to hear about. I am excited about this surprise and this secret. I've been holding it for months, and you will hear it on tonight. Tell your friends, tell your your boo, tell your mama, daddy, pastors, praise and worship leaders, whatever, your, your, your ace boon coons they call, your best friends, even your haters. Tell them to come on and listen on April 28th right here on the Kingdom Authority broadcast under Kingdom Empowerment Incorporated. I'm excited it's coming out, and you want to hear what God is doing in the kingdom of God as I take authority in my territory for Jesus Christ. Thank you again for listening to Kingdom Authority. I'm your host, Reverend Dancia Jones-Morris. Go be, go be great. Go be great. I keep hearing that this week, and I'm going to say it today. Go be great. God bless you. Have a great night.